The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. Welcome back. And if you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, or a Bible app. And there are Bibles in the back as, it, as well, if you need a Bible. Those are there for you. You can look in the table of contents. You can find the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at a brief passage in Hebrews chapter 2. We're in this little series that is, I hope, sharpening our Christology, our doctrine of Christ, as we see him as, whoops, I'm always doing this to our dear sound team. We are, we are seeing him as one person, Jesus born at Christmas, with two natures, human and divine, fulfilling three offices for us, prophet, priest, and king. And today we see Christ, our priest. Let me ask for the Holy Spirit's help, and Nick's going to read our passage. Spirit of God, we ask you to fill us as we are commanded in Ephesians chapter 5 to be continually filled with the Spirit. Fill us, we pray. And please do not leave us to our own understanding or perception this morning, but open the eyes of our hearts to see more of the glory of Jesus, we ask you. Amen. Let us uh, hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Thank you, Nick, so much. True story out of Ohio. In September, Rosemary Hain was angry about her burrito bowl at Chipotle. And so she threw it forcefully into the face of the Chipotle employee. And if you have seen the video, it's a forceful throw of her burrito bowl right into the face of the employee. Well, this week, Miss Hain was found guilty of one count of assault and sentenced to 90 days in jail. The judge told her, in fact, I don't think you'll be very happy with the food in jail. But then he offered a, 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 
a creative solution. He said, I will give you 60 days jail credit if you work 20 hours per week in a fast food restaurant for two months. 20 hours a week, you work in a fast food restaurant, I take off 60 days. And she said she planned to get a job at a fast food restaurant. Now, I think we we resonate that. We hopefully even applaud that sense of justice. We like that. You assault a fast food employee, you have to work as a fast food employee and see what it's like. We want justice to be done. We like justice and we should. But Christmas comes along and asks us, what about the justice against you and me? That's what the baby in the manger implies, a justice problem for you and me. Not before a judge in Ohio, but before the judge of the universe. We have all thumbed our noses at him, shaken our fists at him, violated his perfect standards. So here's the question. Here's the Christmas question. How will you address your justice situation before that God? And what's your solution? Try harder. Do better next time. Clean up your act. Make a New Year's resolution. Look, maybe all fine things but none that can turn back the clock, none that can undo what's been done, none that help us somehow be perfect moving forward. Friends, we need a solution to our own justice problem, and the book of Hebrews offers you one. It says you need a priest. A perfect priest. The solution, in fact, before us, says that the one come at Christmas is the priest you must have for all that you most need. The one come at Christmas, this baby in a manger, he is the priest, friends, the priest you must have for all you most need. Let me show you that. First, this priest frees from death's slavery. This priest frees, liberates from death's slavery. The book of Hebrews begins in chapter 1 with the loftiest view of God the Son possible, that he is the heir of all things, radiance of God's glory, exact imprint of his nature, upholder of the universe moment by moment by the word of his power. That's who's described in verse 14. That son, when it says, since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he, that son, he himself likewise partook of the same things. There's Christmas right there in verse 14. That without setting aside a single one of his divine attributes, not for a moment, God the Son added a human nature to his divine nature. Heir of all things, 
radiance of God's glory, exact imprint of God's nature, upholder of the universe, takes on flesh and blood. Literally, actually, in the original, it's blood and flesh, which I like because I think it captures something of the graphic nature of what's to come. He took on blood and flesh. Christmas appears to be about a helpless baby, but a lot more is going on. Emily Dickinson once wrote, the truth must dazzle gradually or every man go blind. Christmas is like that. It dazzles gradually. It appears to be just about a baby surrounded by farm animals, a cute, quaint story. But it's actually God himself clothing himself with blood and flesh. Now, why? Well, the verse continues. That through death. Now, just, just pause there. That through death. God has clothed himself in our humanity to participate in death. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Now, we should ask, what does that mean? Destroy or, or nullify or, or render powerless the devil who, it says, has the power of death. Well, the Bible says the devil tempted the first humans to sin, and now we're all plunged into a sinful condition. Look around you in this world, and you have empirical evidence. You have proof of that sinful condition, do you not? Just listen to Rick's prayer earlier. And our sinful condition brings death. Like, like the payment of wages, like the paycheck. The paycheck for sin is, is death. And then after death comes judgment, that justice problem. Sin leads to death. Death leads to judgment, what the Bible calls the sting of death. But this verse is reminding us that Jesus took that sting. I mean, notice the effect. Verse 15, and deliver, here's the effect, deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So the effect, the effect of the baby in the manger who died is to release, to set free, to liberate those held in slavery by, it says, the fear of death. Now, you might be here saying, I don't fear death, all right? I am brave. I will be stoic on my last day, face death with a stiff upper lip. But listen, that's just another form of slavery. That's slavery to denial. And I don't think this is mainly, this fear is mainly about the act of dying, I think it's mainly about the fear we should have of what comes next. And this was first written to Jewish Christians experiencing persecution. Later in the book, we're told they were publicly shamed. 
publicly shamed for their faith in Jesus. Some had been imprisoned. Some had been locked up in a cell. Others had their property plundered. Maybe their houses ransacked because they were Christians. Death, it would seem, is not out of the question for them. But here they're told death is not to be feared. Why? Because Jesus' death transforms their death. For the believer in Jesus, death is no longer the doorway to judgment, but the doorway to life. That is the freedom. Living in the good of that, knowing that is the liberation from this slavery. Last week, or week before last, was the anniversary of the death of one of my uncles. He died three years ago. He was a really neat, neat man. He came to Christ a little later in life. It was just so filled with joy. He had a personality that just lit up the room, and I know my aunt really misses him. So on the anniversary of his death, I reached out to her, and one thing I said to her was that Tommy... Tommy, in the words of Philippians chapter 1, is with Christ, which is far better. That's the freedom. Knowing that death for the Christian leads to life with Christ, which is better by far. Are you starting to see how the one born at Christmas brings what you most need? He frees from death's slavery, but, but how? Well, second, this priest atones for sin's penalty. Frees from death's slavery because he atones. He, he atones for sin's penalty. Look at verse 16, please. Verse 16 says, For surely... Surely is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers or brethren. All of us are included. Made like his brethren in, in every respect. Now there's Christmas again. Made like his brethren in every respect. In every respect is emphatic in the original. It's bold, italicized, and underlined. God the Son was not made similar to us, not kind of like us. He didn't just seem human. He was made like us in every respect. Two hands, two feet, two eyes, real emotions, real temptations, even while remaining fully divine. Notice again why. So that so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Friends, now we're, we're right at the heart of what Christmas is all about. A merciful and faithful High priest, merciful because his own sufferings enabled him to be merciful toward our sufferings, faithful because he endured to the end so he can help us endure to the end, and high priest, high priest to help us connect with an Old Testament ritual 
one called the Day of Atonement, or you may know it as Yom Kippur. That was a big deal in the ancient Jewish calendar. The one day each year when the high priest, and only the high priest, only the high priest would draw near to God's immediate presence in the temple. He wore a robe that had bells sewn into it so that the jingling of the bells told people outside the temple that he was still alive. So so fearfully awesome is it to draw near to the very presence of this holy God. You know, Bobby Moore was the English soccer captain who received the World Cup trophy from the Queen when England won the World Cup in 1966. An interviewer later asked him what this was like to receive the World Cup trophy from the Queen herself. Moore talked about how terrified he was to approach Her Majesty because she was wearing white gloves while his hand that would shake shake the Queen's hand was covered in mud from the field. So as he walked up, to the balcony, he kept wiping his hands on his shorts and then on the velvet cloth in front of the royal box, he was wiping his hands, desperate to get his hand clean. When we read high priest here, some of that imagery should come into our minds. But We don't have filth on our hands. It's on our hearts. It's on our souls. We don't approach a human queen. We are before the Holy One. And no matter how desperate we may be to get ourselves clean, we cannot. So we need this perfect priest, this merciful and faithful high priest to represent us in God's presence. So God reminds us of that high priest with one crucial difference. That high priest had to sacrifice an animal for himself, his household, and the people. Sacrifices that had to be repeated year after year after year. But this high priest enters God's very presence on our behalf with a once-for-all sacrifice. A once-for-all sacrifice of himself. That's what is in the phrase, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation means a sacrifice that turns aside wrath and brings favor. A sacrifice that turns aside wrath and brings favor. Think of a lightning rod. You don't see lightning rods around here as much, but in the Midwest, out in the country, you see them quite a bit on a house or a barn. Put a lightning rod on the roof so that when the destructive power of the lightning bolt hits, it's absorbed by the rod and taken away from the house. In Jesus, God became his own 
lightning rod. In Jesus, God became his own lightning rod for his justice against our sinfulness. I mean, can you get your mind around this? This is Christmas. In love, God the Father put the full destructive power of divine wrath on God the Son as he hung on that cross, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wrath had to come down. That's justice. Yet the one born in the manger grew up, sacrificed himself to absorb that justice for all who believe. And Jesus doesn't make you safe from wrath only. He purchases for you favor. He makes God propitious or favorably disposed to you, full of grace to you. You get to live in the sunshine of God's favor. All day, every day. Psychiatrist Paul Tournier has said that we live our lives in a vicious cycle of criticism, guilt, and self-justification. I thought that was pretty insightful. We live in a vicious circle of criticism, just track social media, criticism, guilt, real guilt or false guilt, and then self-justification, which, which I am very good at. You know, yeah, but what about, but you always, but you don't understand. I didn't mean, can you relate to that? kind of a vicious cycle. Maybe you're in that vicious cycle with your spouse right now or a friend or a roommate and rehearsing in your mind all you want to say to defend yourself. Oh, I wish I could say I don't do that, but I do it too often. Here's what's worse. We want to self-justify with God. We want to self-justify before the Holy One. And we think, you know, my sin is not so bad. Not so bad. Really, people make too much of a big deal about sin. I mean, every, everybody does it. Good grief. I'm not as bad as him or her. I don't think God really cares anyway. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't even exist. Can you relate to those thoughts at all? Listen, friends, that God the Son would make this sacrifice of propitiation, that God the Son would be a lightning rod for God's justice, is the greatest proof that God is infinitely holy and sin is incredibly serious and justice must be done. But Christmas provides a way out of that vicious cycle. And there was another aspect of the Day of Atonement involving two goats. 
One goat was sacrificed to bear the death penalty for sin. The other goat was driven off into the wilderness, a beautiful illustration of sin and guilt being taken far away. That's what propitiation means for you if you believe. Wrath has been received. So your sins have been taken far away from you, as far as the east is from the west. No self-justifying needed. Justice has been satisfied. Your sins are cast into the depths of the sea, God says. Don't justify yourself before God any longer. Don't, certainly, friends, don't minimize his holiness and don't minimize the seriousness of our sinfulness, but let us maximize his finished work. Let us maximize the one who came at Christmas, grew up, and then gave himself as this sacrifice to make a propitiation for all who believe. You want to maximize that. And then live in the good of his grace. Are you seeing how the one who came at Christmas is the priest you must have for all you most need. I mean, he, he frees from death's slavery. He, he atones for sin's penalty. And as a result, thirdly, as a result, this priest helps with faith's weakness. This priest, he, he helps, helps with faith's weakness, with the weakness of our faith. See, priests represented the people before God for two reasons. To make atonement for their sins, as we just saw. And secondly, to make intercession for the people on their behalf. That's what's alluded to next. Our priests' ongoing heavenly intercession. Christ is risen, ascended back to heaven. So, verse 18. For, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able Right now, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What an encouraging verse. What is that help? Well, if we read on to chapter 4, we'd see our great high priest able to sympathize with our weaknesses so we can draw near his throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help, to help in time of need. Surely that's part of what's in view. Mercy and grace for your time of need in the midst of your depression or anger or for your fear or your anxiety or your unforgiveness or your coveting or lack of contentment or whatever your time of need right now, this priest holds out mercy and grace to help you. But there seems to be some specific help, particularly in mind here, I think. Look at verse 18 again. Because he suffered when tempted, when, when put to the test. He's able to help those who are also tempted or, or put to the test. How were the first readers of this book put to the test? in their faith, in their battle with unbelief, because of the persecution, they were tempted in unbelief to turn away from Jesus. 
They were a lot like you and me. Struggling in our faith. Feeling weak in our faith in Jesus. Listen, this verse is saying Jesus understands. He suffered when put to the test and he can help you and me when our faith is put to the test. Verse 16, introduce this help. If you look back to verse 16, it says, For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps, he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's a different word for help, but same concept, same idea. And that word shows up way down in chapter 8. When God says of his people, I took them by the hand. Here's the help. God says in chapter 8, I took them by the hand. I took hold of them. That's the idea. I took hold of them. I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I think that's a beautiful picture of some of the help Jesus provides for our faith. He, he lovingly, gently takes hold of you, takes you by the hand to strengthen your faith and lead you back to his deliverance for you. Where do you need this priest to help you like that? Where does your faith in Christ feel weak right now? Where does faith in Jesus feel like it's at a low ebb, like, like the tide has gone out on your faith in Christ? Where does it seem like there's been an eclipse in your soul and a circumstance or a battle with sin has kind of obscured your vision of Jesus? It might be where your sin just seems overwhelming to you, where the temptation seems so great right now, where your heart is condemning you. Don't you remember what you did? Or that trial, that difficulty that seems to consume you. Friends, right there in, in faith's weakness, in faith's struggle, your priest can take you by the hand, take hold of you, help you, help you remember who he is and what he has done for you. I mentioned John Bunyan last week, but he needs to make an appearance again. The Puritan pastor wrote about the help like this that he experienced for his faith, his faith in Christ. I have this quote on the screen or the wall for you. Bunyan writes in his book, One day, as I was passing in the field, and that too with some, some dashes on my conscience, fearing lest all was still not right. So he's, he's struggling in his, with his faith toward Christ for some reason. He's got dashes on his conscience, something weighing him down, fearing all still not right. Suddenly, suddenly, this sentence fell upon my soul. 
your righteousness is in heaven. And I thought as well that I saw with the eyes of my soul Jesus Christ at God's right hand. Now that's his priesthood right there. That's your exalted priest. I thought I saw in my soul, with the eyes of my soul, Jesus, my priest, at God's right hand. There, I say, is my righteousness with that priest. So that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say of me, he lacks my righteousness. For that was just before him in my priest. Catch this. I also saw that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you you see Jesus here helping him, taking hold of him, taking him by the hand and leading him back to who his priest is and what his priest has done for him. So much so, friends, so much so, Bunyan goes on to say, I went home rejoicing for the grace and love of God. Your priest can do that for you right now. Take hold of you and lead you back to his justice-satisfying death and resurrection. Take hold of you and lead you back to the propitiation he made, the once-for-all sacrifice for your sins. Take hold of you and, and realize your righteousness is there in heaven, in your priest, interceding for you with his finished work such that your righteousness is always before God. It's a wonderful truth. I wonder where you need that today. I wonder where I'm going to need that this week. Take this home with you. Call out to your priest for help. Cry out to him to take hold of you, to take you by the hand, to help you like this and strengthen your faith. You know, that Ohio judge, he had a rather creative justice solution. But Christmas brings an even better one, doesn't it? Christmas brings an even better justice solution, a merciful Faithful, exalted, interceding high priest for all who trust in him. Are you fearing this morning what lies beyond death? Christ died to free you from that slavery. Trust in him right now, even for the first time. Trust in him to free you from that slavery. Are you feeling condemned by your sin? Christ made propitiation for you, absorbing God's justice, bringing God's favor. Rely on him for that right now. Are you feeling the weakness of your own faith like the first readers were? 
Christ can take you by the hand. He can help you and strengthen your heart. Friends, the one born at Christmas is the the priest you must have. The priest you must have for all you most need. Let's pray together. Cry out to him from your heart. Trust in him. And then we'll take the Lord's Supper. And reflect, please, if you would, for a moment where you need him right now. This priest you must have for all you most need. Where is that for you right now? Freeing you from slavery, fear of death. Freeing you from condemnation. Helping you. Helping you in your time of need. Maybe strengthening your faith right now. Or believing on him for the first time. You can turn to him. In your heart, cry out to him. Renounce every other justice solution for you and hope only in his life, death, and resurrection. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thank you for this amazing glimpse into Christmas. That you, our Savior, have come to be our merciful and faithful high priest. Help us to look to you, cling to you by faith, and go home rejoicing in the grace and love of God today. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.